y'all. This is Market Explainer. We are America's number one business news podcast. My name is Danny. I am joined, as always, by the the junior co-host to the traveling (laughs) secretary, the big man. I'm the co-host, co-owner, majority stakeholder, and and, uh, what do you call it, backer of... Yeah. The big man, you know, of the, the market. The, the explainer. Project, so, you know, the market explainer podcast. Um, but he is he is, in my eyes, always going to be the junior co-host. <laughs> second in command. <laughs> I'm the number one co-host, as we of all know. Course. Anybody that's ever have a partnership knows that there's always one like you, Danny. There's that's right. And that's why one. I don't have any other partnerships. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the first one to survive. This is the longest relationship I've ever been in with. A business partner or a woman. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't, that makes me really uncomfortable to be in both of those categories. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, so, what are we doing today, Danny? Well, we're going to talk about four news stories. We're going to explain to you, give our opinion. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash market explainer. We're building a community over there. We're going to start doing some extra shows and extra features on. Our Patreon, you can start with a $5 tier. You can go all the way up and join our board of directors. But before you think you know what that means, you don't get to join our board of directors and actually direct our business. It's really just a tier. It's more of an honorary give us money title, right? Like, you know, that's okay. Um, You know, uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be, I'm interested to see how that and our community blossoms over the the near and long-term future and and that kind of stuff. That's one of the reasons I actually like Patreon. Actually, Danny didn't want to sign up for Patreon and I kind of made him do it because I think some of the communities that I belong to for other creators are such great communities and Uh, and interactions. We're still in a dialogue, of course, as we always are with our you know various legal teams. I'm trying to convince them that we should use a different service, but we're, we'll see where that lands. Yeah, Nonetheless, yeah, yeah. we are working to build up a subscription base where we can provide you, the viewer and audience, with some additional value for money. Because at the end of the day, aren't we all just Mary Magdalene's? Well, and look, that actually ties in well with our very first story, which is... Uh, the good people over at Politico have been sold to Axel Springer for $1 billion. Now I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Who is named Axel Springer? Gotta be the coolest guy that has ever existed. Rides a Harley, even in the winter kind of guy. But Axel Springer is actually the name of a German media conglomerate. Now this is a mostly, from what I understand about Politico, mostly American uh, blog or website about American politics. It's only... I think it was popularized by 2015. I don't remember where mm-hmm. it exactly started. But the concept that this is being sold for a billion dollars is we are in the kind of broadcasting media space, in the new media space. We can tell you that, I, at least by my estimation, as far as I can understand, this valuation makes zero sense. <laughs> so zero. there's always two parts to valuation for me. Um right. And really, the story here, look, here recently, a lot of media companies, we've talked about them a couple of times, have been bought and sold and, and moved around here recently um, right. and that kind of stuff. But valuations has two components. Are you buying something of value from a, if I'm hard value, meaning I'm buying the assets within that company, right? right? Or am I getting something else? Sometimes it's a technology, sometimes it's an, you know, a different kind of asset, right? right? So in this, on the surface, you're right, right? What is Politico? Politico is different than a, a most of your old school news websites and newscasts out there. One of the reasons it's different, it, hi, it relies heavily on subscription base. That's why I said Patreon kind of tied that. into this. They rely not on advertising, Political does not rely on advertising. They do advertise. They do sell advertising. But that's not where their money comes from. It comes from monthly subscribers, much like a Patreon page. So that's one thing that makes them very different. And I think this is a heavy investment for this guy in that model versus the traditional news model. And the second part about it is Politico is, instead of your Washington Post or your New York Times or whatever, they, when they came in and they've kind of held to this, is they, they've made it very short 
simple. Instead of these long, broad articles, they're very short, very concise, very what you need to know. The idea was to get it everybody on the hill reading this right? They, they didn't want these long drawn out where people got to turn to this page to finish the story in that page. Yeah. They wanted short, concise, tell me what I need to know, bite-sized stories about the relevant information and then get to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's what separated them. And I think between those two things is what makes them, again, I'm not saying worth a billion dollars. I'm just saying that you can get a system that's been set up differently than most of your other news organizations. And, and listen, I was actually incorrect. It wasn't 2015. I knew it was rather recent and, you know, I'm getting older. So things that it was 2007, <laughs> which for me feels like, did that just happen? Were we just doing 2007? But it, I guess it's not. <laughs> um, listen, I just think here's one thing that I think is super weird about this is why is the German media conglomerate interested in American business? Right, I know that they. I know that Politico has grown and it has something like 500 employees today, but I just think it's weird that a German media conglomerate is interested in American. In are, American are you pulling politics. out the German? German, no, or is it just the, the fact saying, that any other company in the world? I think it's just money. Th these two companies are already partners in a okay. European type Politico, right? Right, organization, right? So, so they're already partners. Right. And you've got the owner, the owner of Politico, which is a uh, a pop owner. Right. It's a mom and pop. Politico is currently owned by one guy, right. not not it, a conglomerate of people, not a fund, is, not a, a whatever, payday, which is a great payday for this guy. Exactly. Right. And it could come down to just look, here's a partner that this guy partnered with back in, I think, 2014, 2015 to right. essentially create a Politico, but for Europe. Right. right. It's called Politico Europe, I think. Yeah, and then you fast forward five, six, seven years, and the guy, the owner, may be like, look, I really kind of just want to run things. I don't want to do all of these owner things anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do all of this. Maybe he's the one that's turning around and going, hey, give me a billion dollars. We'll keep everything the same. I'll keep running it. My staff will keep doing what they're doing. And right. you get more assets on your sheet. You know, Maybe right. you're younger. Maybe you have bigger ambitions, whatever. Well, no, right? I mean... Axel Springer is a conglomerate, right? They own right. a bunch of... I'd read you the, the stuff that they own, but it's all in German. So, uh, <laughs> well, the only again, one that is recognizable to the Americans is going to be Business Insider and Insider, which they're a rag. They're not real news. That's just my opinion. This isn't a political show. I'm just saying my opinion, which is in Business Insider. I mean, Insider is kind of garbage. But uh, I'm, I'm just surprised that, you know, a billion dollars... And uh, I think that, that Axel Springer had a EBITDA of something like $600 million the last time it showed up, but revenue is totaling $3 billion. So I just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a firm backing this. There's probably a bank or somebody backing this, but a billion dollars seems outrageous to me. Doesn't it seem outrageous to you? I, I, I don't, in this article and a couple of other quotes, I, I attempted to find the number of subscribers because, right. again, it's a subscription based, right? Much like Patreon, right. subscription based uh, article. Um, and so I, I could not find anywhere where they publish the number of subscribers. Is, is Politico just raining cash? Right? Could that be part of it? If I don't they're think just so. raining cash, because here's I wouldn't even call what they put out a traditional article because they right. keep it so short and to the point. They can make article after article all day long of free flowing information because they're only saying one thing. They're not giving their opinions on it most of the time. They're not, you know, researching the background of it like you see on these art, you know what I mean, Washington Something Times or whatever. Depth, yeah. They're just making a statement like so and so stood on the Capitol steps and said blank. Right. And then five minutes later they can go the so and so stepped on the Capitol afterwards and said blank. This. And so the reason I think this billion dollar valuation is out of pocket is if you look at the digital media landscape and the kind of the, the, the abundance of transactions that have taken place in, in the digital, like anything to do with digital content, this is a, most of those numbers that have transacted at this high, very rare that they are just a single vertical, right? 
Absolutely. It's usually a a collection of things. Like even Yahoo, which recently got spun off from Verizon Media, like Mm -hmm. that was, that that deal had so much in it. It had like all these different different, departments and different, yeah, they were in different scenes. Yeah. this, This is a single website. It doesn't have a lot other than the political thing. And if you look, it, it te- these numbers tend to be like like they don't translate into really good business, right? Everything's staying the same. Again, I lean toward it would not surprise me as if, if this is just one of those situations where a guy wants to alleviate exit. exit. So he's getting a billion dollars, which is probably more money than it's worth. But it's this guy has it. Right, this conglomerate yeah. has it, and they're well, like, this- "Here's a billion dollars. We'll leave you in as the head as long as you want. Right? We'll take it over." Now, a lot of people are gonna because it is German and right, a German company and base company or whatever. A lot of people have brought up, and this is said in a couple of articles I read about this. They're worried about, like you just said, we keep seeing foreign conglomerates buy up media esque kind of things does that raise a red flag now again this is not a political show we're just posing questions here but does that raise a red flag especially when you're talking about again politico is probably very well read on the hill right in dc and stuff like that because of its bite-sized bits of information it is still one of the few that has a quote-unquote neutrality to it Right, that a lot of people again, I said quote unquote, and it's more in the middle than a lot, right? You don't okay. look at political go, hey, that is absolutely yeah, this I'll or that. that. I, I don't I don't say that they are listen, I believe the the concept of objectivity or the lack of bias in any political mm-hmm. newspaper or whatever you want to call any political publication is silly. I think that's the, the pretense of that is absurd. I think that's impossible. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, Politico is more down the middle than a lot of other publications that are super popular. Right? Well, I think you're right. I think it's impossible to you know to take human nature completely out of it. But there right. used to be a a strive to do so, at least an attempt right. to do so, which is no longer the case in most news media in today's world. Right. So Politico trying to say, hey, and maybe that's why they're going so small and bite-sized, is they're going, right. here is the fact, and alleviating yourself from going, here's what I think about it, here's whatever. Right. And that may be what he's buying and, and that ability. He does cite that, the new owner or, or the person buying it does cite that saying, objective quality journalism is more important than ever, and we mutually believe in the necessity of editorial independent and nonpartisan reporting. This is crucial for our future success and accelerated growth. Here, and, and that's a quote, right, from the new, the, the buyer, the new owner, the Axel reason Springer. I think, right, Axel Springer, which I agree with you, is the a legendary, like, 1980s Def Leppard kind of yes. name. Yes. Should yes. definitely play an electric electric guitar. I hope yes. he's wearing the leopard print spandex. It yes. would be great, right? right? Very Mick Jagger is what it should be. Anyway, the point is, is I think you're seeing a movement in a lot of what I would call alternative media, which I kind of put us in that category of we're not any of the big media networks. We report on news. We give our opinions. And I think you're seeing a lot of that. And they're, 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 uh, what do you call it when your, what your value concept to your listeners is normally in a lot of these alternative media at breaking points and stuff like that is... Hey, we're more neutral. We're not saying that we're not going to give our opinions and be biased. We're just more neutral than your big ones that yeah. are out there. So I here's the thing. I listen. I consume a decent volume of media when it comes. I used to, especially mm-hmm. more so than I do now. Um, and as much as this show isn't political, a lot of that is the reason we keep saying that is because when we started this show, um, I repeatedly said, I don't want to be political because I don't think it serves anybody's interests in this category in business news. Right. Sure. But um, because I just don't, here's, here's the main reason I said that. I don't think you can make money like that. Right. I don't. A think lot it, of people do. I mean, l- literally the, in this article, thing, right? 
in this article, it was literally not only did the 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 Alex Springer say the quote Axel. that I just said about neutrality. Yeah. I'm sorry, right. Axel. I apologize, not Alex. Yeah. Axel um, said that is because in this same article it mentions about Politico's neutrality or what they believe right. is their neutrality. Right. They formed a partnership and then reneged on that partnership with Ben Shapiro. Because right. of specifically about this, right? The company Politico was going to partner with Ben Shapiro and give them a, give him a a framework of which to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the people, the the writers, the people at Politico was like, "That is not us." And well, then they ended up going back on the deal and didn't work with him. And then you turn around and the new owner says, "That's part of why I'm buying this company." So that's to me like if a website wants to show itself to be neutral, okay. The best way to do that, I think, is someone with really strong, quote-unquote, political opinions, mm -hmm. is they should have a Ben Shapiro and whatever the equivalent of the opposite of Ben Shapiro sure. is. I don't really look as Ben Shapiro as someone who people would say is not on one side of things. I don't agree with that guy about anything, right? Mm -hmm. But whoever And whoever they would pick to be his opposite, and I'm not saying they have to interact on the site. I'm just saying you offer both. You offer both. Right. You but you can, why offer both of those extreme opinions when you can offer just information? Well, That's so again, I like I I'm just saying the, the reason this was put on our show today was because of the number. The number right, the billion me. dollars, but that's how I think you get to a billion dollars. Again, I right. like a lot of the the buyouts we've talked about the last couple of months. These valuations have gotten insane, and uh, I, I and go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, um, you know, relating to something we know a little better, which is real estate. I was listening to a real estate podcast not too long ago, and uh, you know, a person was saying, you know, we built one of the only storage facilities in this particular in naples florida i think it was mm -hmm. and somebody paid us our our we were looking for in 10 years to have a certain value right right and a conglomerate a big fund came in and just paid us that value before we had even leased out the place <laughs> and they said so that's what i think we're dealing with here is the same people that are going not the same the same type of people that are mm -hmm. running around buying up entire neighborhoods in our suburbs right. are also looking at conquering the digital media landscape by owning a lot I, of I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think there's nothing that you could put down on a piece of paper, like you said, much like housing in yeah. Central Texas especially. Um, there's nothing that you could put down on paper to say, hey, this is worth that. Yeah, right? I don't... It, but... Yeah. Chances are that's what these kind of people, funds, groups do. They can perceive to overpay because their plan is to then own it for the next five, ten years, and right. they'll end up making money. That that's their plan, right? You know, you right. overpay for a home. Let's say if you stay there the next ten years, chances are you make up what you overpaid and more. Now, is that a risk? Absolutely, but sure. you're buying at the top of the market. I think anybody buying a house, buying a company, buying almost anything in 2021 has cost you considerably more than what it's quote unquote worth. And the question is there's two things, but my thing is the question becomes opportunity cost, right? Mm -hmm. Which is are you you're willing to overpay for it, but if there's a market correction and those prices fluctuate, if you can, if you have, if you're capitalized well enough to survive that bottom, exactly, then you got to buy the asset and hold it until it's worth two billion. Versus, you know, you're going to buy it at a billion, it's going to crash to seven hundred to six hundred, but then it's going to go up to two billion. You don't want to be the guy who's competing to buy it where when it's worth six to seven. So you're going to mm -hmm. overpay today to own it for the two billion. But hey, listen, you know, the first lesson of free market economics. That is hard to drive into people's head is that value is subjective, mm -hmm. right? We're seeing this in Central Texas. The houses are crazy, right? When I first got to Central Texas a dozen years, not a dozen years ago, a long time ago, I remember driving past houses and thinking, who's paying 300 for this thing? And somebody just got done probably paying 800 for it. 
Yeah, right. So, exactly. Right. And I, when mm -hmm. I first moved there, I was like, who's paying? You know, I remember a young lady that I was seeing said, you pay how much in rent? I used to live down the street from you and I paid 600 and you're paying 12. That's nuts. And I was thinking where I came from in the Twin Cities, I'm paying 1700 for this apartment, but I'm paying 1200 in Texas. That's great. Right. Right. So value is subjective. So Axel Springer sees something here. And I wouldn't be surprised because Axel Springer just partnered with KKR, mm -hmm. which is a huge, um, uh, uh, they're, not a, they're not a venture capital fund, but they're an equity they're, fund. Yeah, yeah, a fund, right? Uh, here's money. money. I want you to use it to make money. So and I yeah. think this is one acquisition that Axel Springer is making of many to come, right? I think they scoop up smaller publications. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go after a larger right wing, which is a, I have to put that in quotes, publication to have a little more balance on their books, but maybe not within a publication. So I think that's what we see out of them coming soon. Well, and I think the growth, I think you're going to see a growth of this kind of um, media, right? Yeah. The, the Patreon-esque, the monthly fee-esque, right? The small monthly access to information that is relevant that is right that that fits with what you want to know right in the niche that you're yeah, interested in much like the show i think that is the future and listen here's what i think i think we're going to see a lot of podcasts come out of politico i think they're going to work on finding their uh crystal and saga and going that direction i definitely i don't think, that. think I, why wouldn't anybody when you see well, the when you see the exactly benefits that. of breaking points crystal and saga and stuff like that when you yeah. see the success of some of these new shows and stuff like that uh, it, it why would it almost seems dumb that you wouldn't yeah. have that kind of but you also have to deal with that kind of uh, there's a different kind of pushback that you get, yeah. right, in that it's kind of environment. It's weird because both sides hate you then, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And that you is, just have to find your audience, and your audience may not be very vocal. Like, I don't right. think Crystal and Sager's audience was vocal at all until they decided to leave, uh, what was the, the show hill. they were? The Hill, yeah. until they decided to leave The Hill, and then they, or announced it, and then they the, their their followers, their audience, came out of the woodwork, Right. But it wasn't up until then that they were very vocal. Only sure. the people that complained were vocal, right? Right. And then that kind of stuff. So anyway, but that's a yeah, business I think lesson. That's a business lesson. People who are complaining are always louder than the people who are happy with your service. That's just the way it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, before but, we jump yep. into this next one, I would like to tell you guys about Acre Gold. Meet the new store of value. It's the same as the original store of value. Timeless, thoughtfully designed. Uh, Acre Gold delivers two and a half gram bars to you after you sign up for their subscription and accumulate enough money to get the two and a half grams in your account. Now, I'm a huge fan of uh, collecting gold. Two and a half grams is the perfect out, like size for the, for the first time gold buyer, the seasoned collector or investor, however you want to think about it. You can click in the link down in our description to get to Acre Gold, and we got a great deal set up for you over there. This next story is a hoot and a holler. I can't <laughs> believe it. A few years ago, I remember reading something about Amazon was buying up former Borders books. I think it was Borders had officially gone out of sale. Mm -hmm. And they were putting bookstores in them. And now, Amazon, I can't even take it, is going to open department stores. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you came in right as, listen, and Sears and JCPenney died because they deserve it. Okay. Right. Absolutely. They died because they, they were already, they were already half in the ground when, when Amazon showed up. But when Amazon showed up, they, Amazon just took a nine iron right to their head. All right. They're already in the ground, pal. Take it easy. But they're just like, yeah, you're going to get it. <laughs> and uh, so I just, okay, there's a TV, there's a cartoon that I watched as a kid called Resets. Okay. okay. You're way too old to have seen it. Uh, but Recess, there was this episode where in Recess, this, this uh, head guy comes in from the Department of Education and says, hey, we're going to get rid of Recess in the middle of the school day because we're wasting time. 
And then he realized that, hey, there's a reason we let young kids go outside and play because they get all their energy out so they can learn better. And then he brings recess back, but he brings it back saying that, you know, we've designed this recreational, educational, blah, blah, blah. He turns it into an acronym. And this is what that feels like to me, right? Where you got rid, you killed something, but then you brought it back saying, it's not a regular retail store, but it's a retail Store, pal. Well, but it's it is different, and and here's why: little things matter, right? Sears, right. all these department stores had a model that they stuck to, and they didn't innovate, right? They made a lot right. of money in a very short period of time, and thought that that was going to last forever. Blockbuster, uh -huh. same thing. Right. I, why right. would we ever change this? Because we're making money hands over fists, right? right? And they didn't innovate. I think what Amazon. I was surprised. Amazon already has 611 physical stores in North America. I did not know that. I mean, I knew that they had tried. They had opened up some small bookstores, right? And I knew they had tried. Uh, we all saw on. the Does that little Whole Foods. Does that include Whole Foods? That includes Whole Foods, but Whole okay, Foods so. was it's not massive. It's not a you know what I mean. But my point hey, though is got, still we got we got that store out in Leander. That's the uh, like whole like it's I forget what it's called, but it's basically Amazon's grocery store. Right. Well, and that, there's there's. Something? Exactly. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. We all read the articles a couple of years ago when they were going to come out with this, you know, small store that you could walk in and buy your lunch and walk out without yeah. using your credit card. And it was no right. checkouts and all that stuff. But to me, that that wasn't widely successful. I never read an article yeah. after that that said, hey, this is so successful. We're going to put them on every corner like Walgreens. Right. right. So to see that they already have 611 stores was insane to me. But I think what they're looking at it for is really this is just an added benefit of putting a shipping facility everywhere. Right. They can put a small shipping facility everywhere and now instead of yet again instead of relying on fedex ups usps or whatever oh, i can oh. ship straight to the store right yes. my local amazon store and then have drivers you know what i mean and if yep. they use the right algorithms which amazon does already yeah. because they already have facilities in every major right u.s city mm. if they use algorithms they'll they'll know exactly why something's on the shelf they'll be able to pivot things in and out very easily very quickly unlike your sears and stuff like that that buy in these masses and now you're stuck with shirts that don't sell or pants that don't sell right. or whatever amazon can bring things in and out they can stuff the store full of their high profit items their right. amazon basics items yes stuff like that that are high profit right and then use them as shipping hubs facilities yeah and now instead of having these massive amazon facilities you can have these small right hey, areas my dad was notorious and to this day was notorious for going into jc penny he knew exactly when they were they got a clearance everything out right at the end of a season he, is, mm -hmm. he was notorious to this day, 10 years after having ever probably walked into a JCPenney, still got new shirts. He's like, I paid $6 for this. Yeah, yeah, okay, right? <laughs> so that's, but that's, he is why they went out of business because nothing really is ever on sale at Amazon. Right. They're, what they're selling you is convenience, and I pay. I pay for the convenience of having it, right? Absolutely. Here's, what, here's, what, you know, here's my opinion. This is one of those expansion... Uh, this is one of those things that a big conglomerate like Amazon does. And we're going to expand. We're going to open uh, the the retail department store, and it, it says that uh, it's going to be about thirty thousand square feet in contrast to a hundred thousand square feet like more traditional department stores. So they probably are going to lease sixty thousand square foot and have my guess thirty thousand of it is shipping, thirty thousand of its retail space. But this is one of those things that I look at a company doing. And if we all rewind our brains, Sears used to be a catalog. Right. Right. Sears was the original Amazon. You could buy a house and a car from Sears catalog back in the day. Yes, Big sir. Man is old, but he's not even old enough to know that was a thing, right? No, well, I knew it was a thing, but only because I learned it. I didn't take part in it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was just old enough to where cars started with an ignition without the crank in the front. <laughs> so uh, I'm just saying, I see this and say two things. History repeats itself, right? Mm -hmm. The big Because Amazon is just a big internet catalog. That's all it is. 
Right. For everybody who's like, they're going to this and that, they're just a big internet catalog. They're just seers. Okay. This is the thing that ends up killing Amazon, I think. You think so? I, yeah. I think Amazon's too. Look, every company rises and falls, right? It's crazy to say that Amazon won't, that Amazon will last forever. However, right. I think it has, I think Amazon has positioned itself well when it bought Whole Foods. I think this was yeah. always in a plan, right, to, sure. to create these stores and stuff. I think it's been a plan for a long time. Um, I think they're looking at the world that's been in the commercial lease world that is much cheaper yeah. now than it was two years ago. I think right. it was a, it's a great timing to initiate their plan. And if for some reason over the next year it doesn't go well, they can just give up on it. They've yeah, already had the infrastructure. They already. This is what we were just talking about about the last story about backing, right? Yeah. The amount of money you have in the bank to suffer through some of those hard right. times or, or right. you know, growing pains and stuff right. like that, it makes a difference. So listen, I am just saying that you know, I'm making a prediction. So we're at the beginning of September 2021. I'm making a prediction that. This leads to the eventual downfall of Amazon as we know it. Now, I don't think Amazon Web Services is ever going anywhere because I think that's a growth industry. Right. Right. Um, I think Amazon Web Services becomes its own thing sooner than later. I think Andy Jassy, who's currently running Amazon, will spend that off and take that public, is my guess. Because that is that's the, the taking public of AWS will lead to huge profits for you know amazon if they did that then i would agree with you because as we know and we talked about on the show aws is the money generator for amazon all of these things that you and i see them doing right the shipping in two days and one day an hour and whatever delivering groceries and everything else that makes them little bit of money because of all the people that's relied upon in that process where Amazon Web Services, we know, made up, what, 75%? I don't remember what the number is or whatever yeah, of their like that, income, yeah. right? Yeah. Profit, so if they do there. split that profit off, yes. all of a sudden your profit as Amazon as we know it becomes thinner. Littler. But right? the reason I think they do it and do it now is because of the hype. I think Amazon is so hype right now that the Amazon alone, the Amazon.com stock, will survive and thrive in this existing environment where they're hyped because it because if they try to do it later, I don't think they survive, right? I don't know. I think that's... Uh, I, I, I don't know that there's a lot of depth in this story as far as it, is opinions. I think you and I have said what we, we can say about this. I think it can work. You think it could be their demise. Yeah. Uh, and, and I agree with you. Everything is, is cyclical. I don't, or, I, I don't think it's their demise today or tomorrow or two years from now. But I think in 15 years, people are going to be watching Market Explainer, whoever's hosting it then. <laughs> and they're going to go, can you believe the original hosts of this show predict the one of them that predicted that this would happen? And they're going to be doing the long-form version of talking about how Amazon shot itself in the foot by opening up department stores. And listen, this is not going to be a JCPenney type retail store. I feel like it's more of a Sears because it's going to have things like batteries and jewelry. It's like two of the categories they're saying are going to be there. And a lot of, a lot of what's going to be in the store is Amazon Basics, Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, you know, high profit items. That's why yes. I think, I think this could work. I'm interested to see how it looks when they implement it. Right? Yeah. Does it look like a Sears or a JCPenney or anything else, right. or does it look completely different um, from a standpoint of? I'm going to be very intelligent and strategic about what sure. and where and how and that kind of things. And if they do it right, I think this could be a huge money generator for them. The ability, look, we've all done it, right? I can go to, I, look, if I need a cable for some electronic, look, I would love to go to Amazon and get it tomorrow if I'm, if I've got that amount of time. But there are times that I've got to get in the truck, drive to a Best Buy, walk in and get a cable. Am I paying 10 times the price for it? Absolutely, right? But I need it today or whatever, right? So right. I'm gonna so there is in certain areas, if you had Amazon on the wall, 
above a, yeah. a, a store name that people are going to walk into it. It's because it's Amazon, just like people walk into an Apple store, you know what I mean? Whatever else. And speaking of big, huge things that have Amazon across them, did you see the picture of the new Amazon fulfilling facility in Tijuana, Mexico? No. You should look up this picture, and the, for those okay. of you listening, go look up this picture, because right. it's unreal. It looks like something out of the zombie apocalypse, because it's a massive wall surrounding this facility. So you have this facility in the middle, and then this just giant wall around the entire facility, which is nor which is not a, an unknown thing in Mexico. I know several companies that own, you know, factories in Mexico and stuff like that, and they all have walls and stuff like that. But when you see it, it is just it's it's a disturbing sight. Cuz it they've just got Amazon painted on this massive concrete wall surrounding right. this Amazon facility. It's just wow. it, it's it's unreal. Yeah. It's absolutely unreal. Anyway, Crazy. Yeah. Right, and then it's kind of, I'm looking at the picture right now, a more wider pan shot. Yeah. It's an Amazon facility, and then there's shacks in front of it, so that's Yeah, odd. and that's what I'm saying. It's a little like zombie apocalypse. It's it's unreal, right? Yeah. You've got these shacks outside of this massive concrete wall. Yeah. Inside the wall looks very pretty, factory yeah. in the middle of it, very organized, very, you know. O outside of the wall. Yeah, lots of yeah. sheet metal is all I'm saying. Lots yeah, of sheet yeah, metal. right. Well, hey, uh, that's going to wrap up this segment. But before we jump into the next one, I definitely want to tell everyone about Big Man Gear. Big Man Gear is this guy's company. It's every funny meme and dad joke that he would think is funny on mm -hmm. clothing. So you can go to BigManGear.com. You can make your order from Amazon Prime, oddly enough. Uploaded a new Big Man shirt this week. It literally awesome. says the Big Man across it. It is awesome right. looking, very nice looking. You should enjoy it. What do we got next? Okay. Well, what we got next is uh, also interesting when we talk about retail and all this other stuff. Walmart is expanding its Go Local program and will now let other merchants use their fleet of delivery drivers. So, you know, just it's, it's Amazon Prime meets DoorDash kind of, right? This is, this is Walmart giving the delivery business right your uber eats your right all these whatever doordash the middle finger that's right. what this is this is walmart being old school walmart right? right like sometimes we talk about old school football teams being like just beat right. the crap out of you football teams right, right. this yeah. is walmart in the old days when walmart was first going like spreading across america there there was there was almost this mafia mentality about walmart they're coming to your town they're shutting down the local pharmacy right. they're shutting down the local general store right they're gonna and if they don't sell to them when they get there they're gonna put them out of business by just beating them up on prices or whatever almost right. bully mafia monta i think walmart Walmart got away from that for a long time because they're just Walmart. And yeah. then I think this is them going back to it because they could very easily partner with any number of these people, right? right. And and make it very simple and use their current drivers and whatever. And Walmart, somebody at Walmart said, huge middle finger, we're going to push all of them out right. and we're going to make the money. Now, here's what's really messed up about it. It's their plan. Their plan is to work with those company as sub subcontractors until they have it all up and running. So if you read through the article, they're going to call this Go Local. Right. It's going to be their brand, right? Instead of DoorDash, instead of Uber Eats, it's so called dumb. Go Local, right? Yeah. And they have bought some Go Local trucks in certain places. They're also going to use driverless technology, much like Domino's has done. They're going to use drones to deliver a lot of this stuff, and, and so they've got the money to invest in these these driverless. But and they right. bought some vans and stuff like that in certain strategic places. But they say in this article they're going to expand very quickly by subcontracting with probably your DoorDashes, your Uber Eats, or whatever, right. that then turn around and subcontract that out to your drivers, right? Because remember, drivers for these places, there aren't employees, they're subcontractors. Contractors, correct. So, yeah. so Walmart is literally subcontracting to subcontractors that they're in the process of replacing themselves. Yeah, so here's what I think. I think that what Walmart ultimately will do is price DoorDashes and all these other companies out of the market, 
Because a company like DoorDash doesn't really have the margins to continue to survive because DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, which is now owned by Uber, right? none of them actually make a profit because the simple delivery-only business doesn't work at the prices that they've established. But if you're Walmart and you're, it's, this is a value-add versus a standalone business, makes sense. Right, right, because so you're making you, profit from everywhere. That ten dollars right. shirt they already make eight dollars off of. Right. So when they're paying the driver to, you know, that's why I've never understood the business model of Uber Eats and DoorDash and whatever. I understand the convenience and why people use it, but from yes. the get go, I never understood how. I don't remember what the original price of DoorDash was, two or right. three bucks. I mean, it was something really small, right? Yeah. Where now it's like seven or eight dollars, and I mean. Right. To have something delivered to your house, I don't know why anybody uses them anymore. To have DoorDash sent to your house, it's essentially $20 no matter what your bill is. Because yeah. it's like $8 for DoorDash, and then it's like $8 the restaurant, and then it's, yeah. right? They've added okay. on all these surcharges and stuff like that. Um, so so And it's because they're fighting to become profitable. They right. knew from the get-go that they couldn't charge people $4 yeah, and get, get something delivered to them and get away with it. Right? right and pay a subcontractor a driver. They just wanted you to get hooked on the convenience of using delivery, and and Walmart doesn't own. have to go through that. You're already hooked because you already buy stuff from Walmart. So mm -hmm. let me let me just this is here's what I think is going to happen. I think Walmart will lower the value of a DoorDash, and my, my guess is it's going to buy DoorDash. They're just going to kick the value down so low that they can buy it at a lower price. And that is that Walmart mafia, like Sam Walton, bust mm -hmm. the door in with your boots, knuckle them down on price until they're starving for, for, for air. And there's a part of me that loves it. And if they don't want to do that, or if that if DoorDash makes that too difficult, they'll just start mm -hmm. stealing your drivers and everything else because yes, they can start. pay them more because they had the higher yeah. profit margins or whatever. Yes. And people, so so the so it'll be the same way as the old school pharmacy that was yeah. Joe Bob's Pharmacy in Little Bitty Town Nowhere. Walmart opens up and they just artificially do you know make their prices lower until right. you're just until you're so squeezed that your business is worth nothing. Right, Listen, and then you got to close. And there's the part of me that says those small town folk that get squeezed out. Ultimately, small town is probably better served by having Walmart. And I'll, I'll give you an example. My sister went to, to college in a small town, and she said all you could buy at a grocery store was stuff that was already expired. Because by the time it got out to their small town, I'm just telling you what happened. Right? Mm -hmm. Walmart muscled in and closed the two local grocery stores. Well, great Walmart, a big Walmart, right? Yeah, Super Center, so, Walmart Super Center, whatever. Whatever it was called. All of a sudden, she has access to groceries that not only she could never get at the small stores, now mm -hmm. everything is, the produce is a little more fresh, all that other stuff. Um, they're bringing in like wild-caught Alaskan, whatever it was. They got a right. higher quality of service. They got a higher quality goods out of the Walmart. And listen, I get it. There's a cost to bringing in companies like Walmart. Walmart pays its employees so little because they can afford to, because a lot of them end up on welfare and other supplemental things, but supplemental government pay. But part of the reason they can afford to do that is because that's there, right? right. The market is enforcing their prices higher because the people who work there have other options. But I, I think, again, I think what ends up happening in this scenario is Walmart lowers the, I think what happens is they, they, they'll end up with drivers on salary that are getting paid $17 an hour. If you're a kid living somewhere and you're delivering DoorDash, you're like, why would I do this when I can just get paid a regular 17, 18 bucks an hour, drive their van with their stuff, with their maintenance, and now I don't have to do this? Because, hey, guess what? In a lot of big towns, Walmart will have a tire and a tire shop that can do light, like oil changes and stuff. So, mm -hmm. unlike Walmart and other places, they have a built in infrastructure to maintain all of this stuff. 
maintain their fleet and everything yeah. else. Um, but look, I, I think they look at drivers. They're always, you're always going to have to have drivers. People that order a bunch of stuff at one time, right? Or whatever, right. your weekly grocery orders, whatever it may be. But I think they look at that pie chart and go, how much over the next five years can we fit in with driverless delivery cars? Can we right. fit in with drones that are delivering that one cord you need today, right? Or whatever, right? right? How much? And I think they think that pie, that that slice of pie is pretty big, right? Yes. I think that's what they're betting on that they can not have a hundred percent like right now. Uber Eats, all DoorDash, they're all relying on subcontractors to you right to deliver it, right? And the, I think, and I think that you know there is this phenomenon that people are seeing in DoorDash where people will order DoorDash, the driver will get it, see that there's no tip. And realize, man, I got to run Taco Bell to this guy's house for four dollars. It's going to cost me five dollars in gas, so they don't do it. Right? They I, cancel well, the look, orders. that's a major problem apparently in in a lot of your your major cities and stuff like yeah. that, and missing items, and you know what I mean. And, and so I, I think there's a, there's a whole like, lot of problems there, right? right? So I think a company like Walmart comes in forces the price down on the on the value of an asset like a DoorDash, and they just say, oh, Walmart Go Local is now called Walmart DoorDash. And yes, guess what? Once you order your your, your family's weekly uh, grocery order and your kid needs you know, a new pack of box shorts or whatever, mm -hmm. hey, on your way home, on your way to my house, pick up dinner at this, at the, you know, at the Pluckers or whatever, right? Right. I think that's what ends up happening. Because Walmart is the company that offers enough of a value proposition to drivers mm -hmm. and other companies. Because when you tell me it's Walmart delivering something, for whatever reason, it feels a little more legitimate than DoorDash. A third party. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you know at that point, look, I'll give you an example. Um, here recently, I think it was this past week, HEB has now partnered with Favor. Right. So if you live in a certain area with an HEB that is part of the program, you right. can have your groceries, all of them, your weekly groceries, delivered to you within an hour or so for free from Favor. Right. HEB is paying them from their profit, right? And, and you H -E give them a tip and you go well, on about your business, right? right. So for, for those of you who are unfamiliar in Central Texas, HEB is the large uh, supermarket grocery store, grocery but store. we love them. But we love absolutely. Them, okay? HEB has a like almost a cultish following, more so than any supermarket I've been and, and, lived and in and in favor, any area. And Favor is an Austin-based delivery app that kind of grew and expanded. It was all over the world. They were in Canada. They were in other cities. Mm -hmm. They were in other states. And then they were lacking profitability, and they kind of shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And I always think they're only in Texas. Well, but again, th with a partner like HEB, where HEB is now sharing their profitability with them, and so right. they'll probably become a profitable company, or they'll be bought by HEB, and HEB will have this or whatever. My point, though, is is here's a partnership that makes sense, right? Right. Much like the kitchens we talked about, the ghost kitchens we talked about right. in, in uh, supermarkets a couple of weeks ago. Right. Here's a partnership that makes sense. And you know that HEB is going to stand if you if you open up your groceries and right. an extra gallon of milk's not there or these items aren't there, you right. know you're going to be able to call HEB and HEB is going to take care of that, right? right? Because it's part of HEB. It's part of what they do. Walmart is going to be the same way. I, I think right. I think when we all look back on this in five or ten years, your your Ubers. Your Uber Eats, your DoorDash, your Lyfts, all of these companies, and I'm even putting in rideshare like Uber, right, and whatever. Right. All of these entities are not going to exist unless they exist in partnerships with your Walmarts, right. exist in partnerships with your Amazons, exist in partnerships with bigger companies because they couldn't gain profitability alone. In doing right. the service, they just laid the like a lot of things. They laid the groundwork and got people addicted to it. Right? They penetrated the market, but couldn't get to profitability. So their so their their groundwork is then bought by someone else that uses it properly and has the money to do it right. Right. No, I, I, I totally think that's agree. the way it's going to be. Absolutely. And like I said, so you know, I've made a couple predictions on this episode of of Mark Explainer. This is the other one. Walmart will end up buying, I believe, DoorDash because that's the biggest national brand that they can afford to buy. Not afford, mm -hmm. but that has the footprint that they, they would want in an acquisition. But first, 
they're going to starve them out and they're going to lower their valuation by um, just Walmarting them to death. It's brutal business, man. It's brutal there business. There you go. I would not want to be in a business that's going to head to head with Walmart. I just, no. I wouldn't want to do it. All right. So, what do we got before our last story, Danny? Well, I want to tell you about workinghomestuff.com. As you know, a lot more people are working from home, and you're going to need stuff to help you do that. Stuff like chairs and desks. My website, workinghomestuff.com, helps you pick out the right chair and desk for your situation as everyone continues to work from home. And God bless. Hey, you can start a side hustle while you're, while you're uh, doing your regular job. Hey, it's 2021. So, Everybody should be working from home, even if they don't work from home, because yeah. everyone should have a side hustle. Everybody should right. have. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's why I like the work from home website Danny has is because yep. it, everybody should be prepared to work right. from home, whether you do or not. All right. So uh, let me just really quick get my tinfoil out and make a hat for this next I one. I wish I had prepared and got a tinfoil hat I could put on top of my cowboy hat. I wish right. I would have. This is one of those Danny stories. Where, this is not uh, a Danny story. This is from The Verge. It's not even from MarkExplainer.com. It's not even from our own website. So it's not like I'm, I'm pitching some wild story here. People that know you and have watched this podcast know what I call a Danny story. Right. That's usually when you put your tinfoil hat on metaphorically speaking, talk about your conspiracy theories and where things could be going. Uh -huh. Right. And go ahead. Yeah. Uh, more correct than incorrect, as I like to say, I'm more correct than the New York Times. Sure. Apple says that Arizona and Georgia, along with Connecticut, Iowa, Maryland, and Oklahoma, and, and Utah, will adopt state IDs on the iPhone. So the iPhone's wallet will now let you put your ID right on the wallet so you're not actually further creating a situation where, you know, this little tracking device that you keep in your pocket becomes necessary to go in anyway. <laughs> Danny, so Danny, you all know, or you probably should know, Danny curates most of the stories that we do, right? I right. send him things that I'm interested in, but Danny kind of decides what four stories we talk about from week to week, right? And as he puts them on the show notes for me to do my research for my side, um, he puts these little, he names these stories himself yeah. about what he's thinking about. And the name for this particular story this week, or on this last story, is I'm Sure Nothing Could Go Wrong. That's right. the name that nothing he, could go wrong. for it's the impossible. Apple story, right? right? Having your driver's license and all the information that the DMV collects on you right. on your iPhone or right. your phone in general seems what's the word i'm looking for intrusive right yeah. it seems okay here's the other part too the tsa said it will allow select airports to use this as a verified system of identification and it will open separate lanes so we're gonna further delineate the haves and have nots for people like me who use Android very happily, who uh -huh. don't have Android ID or Apple ID rather, and they're going to be like, "Well, I'm in the oh, you have, you have clear. You can just walk in. You have ESA pre-check. I have Apple ID." Okay, here's where. Okay, sometimes a good conspiracy theory has just enough truth, right, right. to make things work. And here's where I can see a lot of people going with this conspiracy theory is any good. I want to take something from you, right? Especially information has a in the beginning a benefit to you, right? right. So if I was if I was a conspiracy theorist and I wanted to say something like, well, this is just an attempt for the government to be gathering your data, for example, you have to have a benefit to you up front to get you to do it, right? Right. Because why go through the process? Because this is a process. And they say well, in the listen. article, it's not just as simple as taking a picture of your driver's license and having that on your phone. It yeah. literally is a digital ID. It's, yeah. There's going to be a process that is going to take time for you to scan your ID. It goes to your state to be verified. Yep. You have to take self-portraits. You have to do this. There's a checklist of things that you have to do so that it becomes a true virtual ID. Now, right. Apple is also saying, now they're saying, 
not and I'm saying they're saying quote unquote because right. I don't know who verifies that people do what they say they're going to do but Apple is saying that this is essentially kept in a virtual wallet meaning they don't have access to it nobody has access to it and then when you go through when you use it for example like TSA right. it it will not communicate with Apple that you're using it with TSA. Right. It won't communicate with anybody else. It only communicates directly with the device that is verifying it. Right. Now, again, I'm saying this is what they are saying. What happens, I have no idea. But that's what they're saying. So, do you want... Can I just put on a, a tinfoil hat, the invisible tinfoil hat, <laughs> and give my conspiracy version of what's going to happen Absolutely. Here? Let's go. Okay. Let me hear it. I have your permission. Okay. Uh... The government, the police, whomever, when they pull you over, they are interested in being able to access your phone without your permission, right? You as an American citizen have this thing called the Fifth Amendment right where you don't have to incriminate yourself. Correct. However, when a police officer, this is much debated in legal circles, when they drive past your car, they see your car go, oh, oh your license plate is expired. Now they have just cause to start looking at your car. They can look in your car. They can... Your windows are too dark. Well, now you have to open up your door. You have to start telling them what's going on, so forth and so on. Sure. Well, they want to get into your phone. And there have been situations where the government says you have to let us into your phone, but it has a fingerprint lock or a passcode, and they can't just open it and we'll deal with the legal ramifications later because, hey, if you're poor, what are you going to do? Sue them? You don't have the opportunity to do that. Right. So... They want a reason to get into your phone. So now if you pop your phone open and give them your ID on your phone, well, they get to see you punch in a code. They get to see you do whatever. And now they can go, oh, what are these text messages to this guy? Why are you talking about units of measurement in the metric system? You're, you're in America. Why would you say you want a gram of, of corn or whatever you're talking about? Right? So this is just an excuse. This is not a political show. We're a business show. This is a business, doing business with the government, which is supposed to protect your rights. They're just saying, hey, we just want to, you know, we just need to see your ID. It's on your phone. This is another reason why I use Android and I actually have a phone with Graphene OS so that, you know, Google's not reading my stuff. Well, but look, if if this was to catch on, it would Android would just end up being as well right yes, so of course so it's not like that would only that would only save you for a while look i i go back to what i say about most conspiracy theories right most most ways of that way of thinking is yeah. twofold one if in in the current state of 2021 if the united states government or the russian government or anybody else wants to know right. about you it doesn't know. matter whether you have your id on your phone or not so, 100% agree. So why would they go through all of that trouble right. just to get access to what they already have access to? No, because what you're talking about is Joe Bob, right? Bob's Town right. PD, right? You're right. not talking about the United States government or the CIA or the FBI or what. No, they already get whatever they want, right? So They already got it. So Joe Bob's PD doesn't have the ability to come up with this conspiracy theory. That's oh, my course. point, right? No, so, and I agree with you. Now, I'm just saying, if you want to know what the conspiracy theory is, that's what it is. Well, I, here's the other... The, the conspiracy theory that I would step toward, and I say step toward even though because it doesn't make sense again, is yeah. the more information we digitize, the less information that people in general, that utilize that technology, keep, right. right? Right. And now we move more and more to a world that we, we don't carry a driver's license anymore. So you don't carry right. an ID anymore. You don't carry... Right. And now, now we're in a world where nobody carries anything. I mean, money's already pretend, right? It's already yeah. ones and zeros on the computer, right? Right. Um, because none of us carry cash anymore or whatever. And you Speak realize... You rely more and more on this digitized type of world, and then yeah. something goes wrong, like Hurricane Ida, for example, right? right? right. And, and what do you do if you lived in New Orleans or, New, or parts of New York City or all these other states that, that right, it kind of went yes. through? What do you do for two weeks if your credit card doesn't work because there's no internet right. access, because there's no electricity? So that that is my that would be a conspiracy theory that I would step toward. However, it kind of 
the answer to that is the same thing, right? Right. We we live in a world that if they want access to, they're going to gain access to, right? Yeah. So we live in a world where you can drive 60 minutes and check into a hotel, even though all of that happened in your, right? Yeah. So, so in a, in, if the world keeps spinning in the current way it's spinning, I think it's inevitable. Right. Agreed. If the world Agreed. doesn't, however, that's where you get into the problems. Right. Because right? uh -huh. there is a future in my children's future that they will probably not carry anything but this. There'll be right. no wallet. There'll yeah, be no there there'll be no wallet with pictures in it. Not that there right. isn't anymore. There'll right. be no nothing that you carry with you anymore except for whatever this is and you know what I mean in the future. That's it. No, I agree. And I again I'm not a conspiracy theorist, even though you call me one all the time. I'm just saying I'm not interested in that future. I'm a technology guy. I love tech, right? right. I love the convenience it offers. I'm just the guy saying, don't think I want to have my phone for everything. Ha well, having, ha look, and, uh, here's the real fear for people, right? And they even mention it in this article. There was a, there's a program called Real ID, right? Yeah. That, that essentially passed a couple of years ago where the federal government has said, told states that there are certain things that are required on a driver's license. Right? right, and there's certain security features that you have to have on your driver's license. Right, right? Uh, for example, here in Texas, even if you had a valid Texas ID, I, it was originally supposed to go into effect September of last year, but I think they right. pushed it back because of last it's year, 2023, where yeah. everyone had to go back into the DMV and get an updated yep. driver's license right. because of the updated security features and blah yep. blah 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 blah. And when you get your new Texas ID, you can see that on your picture there's this little bubble that is 100% used for facial ID, right? Yeah. On driver's license and stuff like that. You, it's literally on there. They're not even hiding it, right? No, of course not. It's one of their updated security protection, blah, blah, blahs. So, so what they're afraid of is they turn around and you are not only digitizing all of this information, that right. you're digitizing it for the use of the federal government, Right. right. Which and, right now they're saying it's not, but that's what that's what the conspiracy right. theories work is the government is basically saying they not only want to be able to track you and everything, but right. they want all of your information too. So what's interesting is those real IDs, I think you can still get the regular license, but what happens is it's much harder to cross uh international border. Like if right. you're, if you're trying, you can't, you can't get a passport. You can't go to Mexico with an yeah. old Texas driver's license. Yeah. Whenever that rule, whatever they, whenever they punched it and down the line, you can't even fly. Happens. You can't even fly mm -hmm. in the United States without a real ID. Mm -hmm. I, as someone who's traveled internationally frequently or had in the past, have a uh, a passport. Well, you could just use your passport, right? You don't need to go get the. I didn't get the real ID. I just travel with a passport card. Now, you know. So. Well, and you can, but it, you can do that if you have a passport, right? And yeah. and that's what you're willing to do. But that, but again, that that's what we keep doing is we functionally change society. That it makes it more difficult to function in this society if you don't have these perks, right? If you don't have these processes, Which. you see enough. You stand in enough long lines at an airport, and right. you see these people. And I guarantee you they'll put it right next to the main line because they want you to see yeah. it. They right. want you to see the people walking through going bling, bling, yeah, bling, yeah, yeah. bling. They want you to see it because you stand in a line at Chicago O'Hare, right? Or yeah, LAX yeah, yeah. or right. DFW for long enough and see those right. people going bling, bling, bling. Yeah, you will eventually yeah. in line. What do I need to do? What yeah, exactly. do I need to do, right? Yeah. Because that's what it's about, right? They totally. want you to see how easy it is, and then eventually most of us subside. You know how long it took my old, you know what, to yeah. even get onto smartphones? You were, like, a late, I, you were a late adopter. Uh, because it was the whole, I mean, I didn't understand. This was just something that was going to break, right? Yeah. It was a screen. I didn't understand the whole, wait a minute, there's no keyboard. Like, I went from flip phones to the quirky keyboard phones. Remember yeah. the slide out and I had a yeah. little keyboard on it? I had those for years before yeah. I got into smartphones because I liked the fact that it had a keyboard, right. right? Once I got into texting and stuff like that. So... It, getting getting people on board with this kind of thing, it feels 
it feels weird. Yes. It feels weird, but and maybe just that's just on, what it is. I want to go on record saying it's Apple making you feel that way. So. I, I think Apple, the, I, whether it was Apple, Android, or anyone else, I think this is a logical step. Apple just happens to be a company that was like, hey, we'll take this on, right? Hey, Here's they, a partner. They're probably exactly. doing it for next to nothing. Or they, they may even be giving these states money. Right, I'm which sure, a lot yeah. of these states out there will make these kind of partnerships because that business agrees to give them right whatever. Right. There's yeah. a lot of states out there, and these are some of them that will partner on almost anything because they they pay to have these partnerships. Right. Apple wants to be the first one to figure this out, so they may well, be shoving millions of dollars into these states. For all we know, and these states right. could be needing that money because there's a lot of yeah. states out there that do. Right. So I, I I don't look, I think it's I don't I think this is one of those stories that feels weird, but everything yeah. felt weird. If you if yeah. you if you told a person in nineteen seventy five that everybody was gonna carry around their bank account, their yeah. money, their everything in a little box that fit in your pocket that had a computer right. chip in it, yeah. it would freak them out. Of course. But in today's world, all those old folks have phones anyway. You know what I mean? And, totally. and everything else. So it's, I think it's something that feels weird. I don't see any way around it. I, I think it's just, it yeah. is. And I said, listen, I just explained what my theory was on the conspiracies, but that's just my theory on what the theory is, right? Who knows what actually happens? If it, look, anybody that says they're worried about what the government has access to, if that's anybody's argument and they have yeah. a cell phone, I, I, I don't take you seriously. Of course not. Yeah. Right now, if you're telling me you have a fear of the government having any information about you, and you, and have, you have no cell phone, you have no bank account, then right. I, all right, I, I I'm here to listen, right? Yeah. But if I you're if you're awesome. standing on whatever you're standing on, talking about how the government wants your data, whatever. your whatever, yeah. and you're and you're recording it on this, yeah, I'm sorry, Don't you're recording it on a computer, you got yeah. a webcam in front of you. They already got now, too much. They already got everything they need on you, brother. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. They got it all. You've already given it, it. You yeah. might as well go all the way. But that's just my opinion, the big man opinion. Yeah. As always, that is my hey. opinion, not the express uh, of Market Explainer. But, that's uh, right. You know. Hey, before we cut you guys loose for this episode, I just want to say one thing. People say things can't buy happiness, but those people are buying the wrong thing. <laughs> I am down for that. I, I, I used to believe that, but no, yeah. it is. I don't. Have you ever seen somebody unhappy on a sea do? I don't. Never. I don't think so. I Never don't think happened. so. Yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. All right, brother.